All right, so the most important channel for B2B marketers doesn't show up in a dashboard. You can't math your way into it. You can't just decide to do more of it. And a lot of it is pretty unattributable. So on today's episode, Mark and I are gonna talk about dark social, the dark funnel, and how we think about both of these at Metadata. These are like the conversations being held between friends, recommendations on social channels, influencers, and third-party content that your buyers are engaging with. And companies who don't embrace this just can't win. Demand Gen U is officially in session. Let's do it. All right, so Mark, I get to lead this one today uh, and interview you. So we're going to talk about dark social, dark funnel. It's a topic we both are passionate about. I know that. Um, so, and we could go forever. So we'll try and keep well, this and to the tight. Everyone is talking about it right now too. So it's timely. That's true. Yep. I think I saw a post about it this morning. Um, so what we'll do kind of like we do with a lot of these is we'll start with defining them. So we'll kind of talk a little bit about how we define them here. And then we're going to jump in and just really talk about what we do about it at metadata and some things that you can take away and try yourself. So Let's start with the definition. Uh, we'll define both of these as well because there are differences despite what a lot of people or how a lot how a lot of it comes off. So a lot of people I think still talk about these as the same thing, dark social, dark funnel, use them interchangeably, and they're definitely not. So we'll start there. So dark social, you wanna give a crack at uh, defining that? Sure, uh, I think the easiest way to define it is it's not trademarked, like dark funnel is trademarked by <laughs> six cents. No, uh, but for real. <laughs> uh, so trademark that? Oh, okay, we can't no, say No, it's it. actually trademarked. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. no. <laughs> no royalties. <laughs> so for dark social for me is just basically how you drive word of mouth in the market. So it's communities like Rev Genius and Pavilion. It's groups like DGMG. Uh, it's, you know, podcasts and building your audiences. It's RIP Clubhouse, even though I never wasted a second on there. It's YouTube. It's all of these things that we use in our day-to-day, and it's how we buy. But it's just what you can't measure, and it's the hardest thing to show that, you know, it's working because you can't measure it if you're still doing marketing by, you know, the, <laughs> the predictable revenue way of doing marketing in 2010. Yeah, and I mean, it can be as simple as literally conversation between friends, like I mentioned in the opening. It could be literally like, oh, I'm thinking about this new platform or this tool. Uh, Oh, hey, my buddy over there that I used to work with five years ago is now over at this other company. They're using it. I'm just going to go have a conversation with them. And I know from my perspective, uh, being a buyer of tools, you know, at these like these companies that I worked at in ops roles, for me, that was actually one of the most, like the, I probably, probably the most important thing. Like it could be, I could have a bake-off between two different tools and if like everything else is the same and I've got positive dark social, I guess, on one of them. I mean, you know, it's, it's obvious which one I'm picking. So it's really important. Well, it, all it comes down to is you're trying to seek direction or validation from people that you trust. It's friends, it's influencers, yeah. it's people that you've worked with. It's how we buy things in our personal lives. You know, we ask, uh, you know, if you're buying something for your home, you know, you're going to ask your friend, what did you buy for this? Did you like it? Did you not like it? it like, why would we expect that we would be any different in like our work lives? So uh, it's, yeah, yeah it's, 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 
how we buy things in our lives. And yet we as marketers have a tendency to overcomplicate things. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, like a couple interesting things. Well, one of them, people are, I think the influencers is like a way to game it almost. You know what I mean? I mean, I wouldn't say it is dark social, but I think it's like the kind that maybe people might know is going on a little bit more. So it's maybe not as powerful, but still holds quite a bit of weight. Um, I don't think people but, know that much yet. I think their eyes will be opened when it becomes more widely known. But I, yeah, I hear what you're yeah, saying. that could be. Maybe, yeah, yeah. And it's probably like because we see it so much. It's we, like the early stages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. Especially in B2B. I mean, B2C, it's like, oh, it's you know, slap Ryan Reynolds' name on a bottle of liquor and, you know, that thing's going to basically take off immediately, even if it tastes like shit. But, didn't know um, you were a Ryan Reynolds fan. I wasn't, but I like him because he's a businessman. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, I, I do like Ryan Reynolds. I will say that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, here's the other thing about dark social is that it's basically like the most honest amplification mechanism that you'll have. And so it can work for you or it can actually backfire against you as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's in a lot of ways, it's what your brand is known as, you know, outside in the world. And <laughs> I think yeah. we've got a couple of examples of things that we do to help, you know, facilitate and create positive experiences, you know, in dark social for metadata. But if you're a jackass at the end of the day during some of these, like it can also be uh, kind of permeate through the dark social as well. And all it takes is one person to share a bad experience. And then, you know, that can continue to be shared with other people who are your buyers at the end of the day. Yeah. Like imagine, you know, you are going to your friend, you know, that you trust who's using a tool and you're like, Hey, what do you think about this? And they just say something as simple as like, uh, you're already off. Like you've just done, you know what I mean? They don't even have to say three words like, uh, you're like, okay, enough said. So, I mean, it is really, really, really powerful in both directions. Cause also if they're like, oh my gosh, it was like the best experience I had. It was easy to work with them. Sales process was simple. They didn't pitch slap me onboarding. You know, like if you hear that, you're also like, oh my gosh, I want some of that. And so it's just like, uh, we wish we could manufacture it, but you know, it's probably best that we can't, you know what I mean? So, so that's dark social. Is there any other things like components of dark social we're missing out on? I would say, I mean, the organic side of social is a, a huge part of this too. So I think, and we'll probably talk about this, I think later in this episode or probably another episode, I feel like we have a tendency to do this, uh, <laughs> is how B2B companies are using social and it's not just the, hey, come attend our webinar, uh, you know, <laughs> to get signups from the company page and everybody sharing the same thing. It's how your own employees are acting as an extension of your brand on LinkedIn. So their comments, their posts, like what they're responding to, the messages that they're responding to, like you can't measure it and you really have no idea uh, when it's happening or how it's happening, but you just have to make sure that you know you are empowering your own employees to be an extension of your brand and trust that they're going to do the right thing. That's a great point because we've kind of been talking about dark social almost like completely outside of your company, like the things that are happening on. But like it's absolutely we could create we create our own dark social honestly, like with oh, the way that sure. we do things, just like what you're talking about our organic social kind of strategy, we're building our own dark social too, honestly. Um, and so, so it's not just 
what people are saying. So there are some things I guess you can do, you know, on your own to kind of help promote it. But again, it's got to be probably like really authentic and very like probably that side of it is like not as marketing heavy. You know what I mean? Like on the marketing speak and like how we're going to describe the product and all that. It's probably a little bit more about building relationships, building trust. It, has, it should have nothing to do with your product and how you're marketing it. It's exactly what you just said. And it's, it's playing the long game in a lot of ways. Yeah. Nice. Okay. I know we're going to talk about some of the things that we do here um, in a little bit. And so let's move over to Dark Funnel. All right. So we talked about Dark Social. Now Dark Funnel is different. Um, what is the Dark Funnel? And I actually, I'm trying to remember the first time I heard this, it was from Sixth Sense. And it was actually when I was at Tableau. <laughs> and they were selling us. And I was like, ooh, I love the name, to be honest. Like, I loved it. I was just like, oh. I, kinda... I mean, it, it is good marketing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Um, and so... I was like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. And I'd already kind of understood. Well, sorry, I'm already getting into it before I define it. Let's define it first. How do we define dark funnel? <laughs> so I think dark funnel is what comes after dark social because hmm. once people have, you know, looked for recommendations and found the information that they're looking for and all of these channels that you can't track, then it's that point in time where they start to search for whatever they've now been recommended and what they've zeroed in on on search, on G2, on other review sites, on your website. And it's that moment in time where it, it looks like they're starting to show intent. So I look at it as just, you know, dark, dark social turning into intent data. Interesting. Okay. I didn't think about it that way, actually. I thought about them as pretty separate. Like, definitely the definition is still, I think usually this kind of dark funnel data comes from, um, like your traditional intent data sources, right? So it's like you got a Bombora that's sitting on top of all these websites and it sees who's coming to visit those and what they're reading and then associates those with like things that they might be interested in. And and there's other ways of, I guess, not just websites, but um, I'm trying to think of the other, oh, like job sites, you know, like job sites, like mm -hmm. home job sites and see like what people are hiring for and like use that. And so these are the funnels. So in my mind, I'm thinking like, the reason I think they're separate is like, I could realize I have a problem and go start to search for that first before I talk to somebody. It could happen in both ways, I think. Um, I talk to somebody first through dark social, I'm getting some things, or I'm maybe just seeing things and then I go and do some of my own research and now I'm showing that intent. Or it's like, I don't even, I'm just getting introduced to it and I want to do some more research and then I go and do some and then I come back and I get some dark social. So I think they're interrelated. Um, oh, they are, but well. then that's the minute that you're getting hounded by sales teams because it looks like you're showing intent and i'm using heavy air quotes here so if you start there first it's a surefire way to uh <laughs> get hit up by you know sdrs yeah. IDEs. yeah true um what else goes so um is that really it on dark funnel i mean it really is i mean basically your kind of tried and true intent data is that really is that it yeah more or less i think the other big difference though is that on dark social the people uh, who are doing all these activities, you know, on Slack, in different communities, on LinkedIn, like you name it. They're individual people at the end of the day. And then with the dark funnel, it's really at the account level. So any of these intent right. data providers are going to show you accounts. They're not going to show you the exact person who's searching for, you know, a demand generation platform uh, from metadata. They'll show somebody at, you know, John's trucking is looking for it, although I don't think we have any trucking uh, customers, <laughs> but uh, it's not getting down to the individual level. 
because you still need to know what to do with all of that intent at the end of the day. It doesn't magically just fix bad marketing uh, or put you right, right in front of the people who are ready to buy. Yeah. Um, and probably unlike dark social, are there a lot of things you can do? Are there many things you can do to influence dark funnel? I'm trying to think. Like, I, I'm not really thinking you can can't really game or influence dark funnel as much. I don't know, unless you're creating a bunch of the content yourself. Oh, no, I think that's exactly what it is. I think you yeah. influence a dark funnel when you are a marketing team that sees the importance of dark social and finding the balance between a lot of these things that you can't measure because it takes time, it takes trust, uh, and it takes credibility to get sign off from your CEO to let you do stuff like this. And usually that comes in the way of you consistently hitting your number so you can earn those opportunities to, you know, spend more time in communities, build your own community, launch a podcast like this. So I, I think it just takes work. It's not a, uh, a hack, and I hate the term growth hacking. It's a joke. <laughs> what do you – how accurate do you think the dark funnel intent data is? I'm just curious. I know this isn't even in our – I'm throwing an audible. No, to you. no, no, no. I'm just curious. Like, what do you think? Because I, I, yeah. What? Do, how do you think? How accurate do you think that is? I think depending on the intent data provider, I've had better experiences with some than others. But again, it all comes down to your strategy and then what you're doing with the intent data. Because, like I mentioned earlier, it's still at the account level, so you right. need to figure out who do you think is actually researching, you know, whatever you're selling uh, product or service wise, and then make sure that your targeting is in place. Because if you have the right targeting, then yeah, I think any, you know, dark funnel data is useful. But if your targeting sucks, then you're not going to see much out of the dark funnel either. Yeah, that's true. Um, and we definitely like when I use intent based audiences, especially for our like lower funnel stuff, I definitely do see a market increase in conversion, you know, from, uh, from the intent audiences that we use. And so I know it hard to know how accurate it is, but it definitely gives you lift. And so you, you start to assume like, well, there's some accuracy there because, you know, you are seeing a difference in performance and it's better usually when you're layering on intent. Um, cool. Um, you can buy dark funnel data. You can't buy dark social data, right? <laughs> I don't know, maybe in dark web, uh, but that might be a <laughs> Joe Rogan episode. Yeah. I got a story around that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funny thing is I do. Um, okay. So uh, should we talk a little bit about kind of how some of the things that we do at Metadata and some of the things that we've seen maybe? Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So we'll focus on the dark social because that's the thing I think, you know, out of those two, I think dark social is your most important i guess of the two um they're both important but like if i were going to choose one i would pick like can i fix dark social or can i make dark social well, work better for me? i also think it's where people are most confused on how do you get started and what do you do because if you look at dark funnel uh the dark funnel from an intent data perspective you can go buy an intent data you know provider uh you still have to know what to do with it but a lot of people don't know where to get started when it comes to dark social yeah all right so all right so now People listening to this podcast are like, all right, I'm in. You bought me in. I already knew it, but now, like, what do I do? So what do we do at Metadata? Like, what's the first, what's the most, 
are there like big blocking and tackling things you got to get done first before you can be like, all right, we're going to actually focus on this? Yes. So I'm going to tell you the, my answer, but you started before me at metadata and I feel like I kind of walked into a bit of a luxury that a lot of marketers don't have. So the luxury is leadership understands the value of it and wants and encourages employees to do that as part of their day to day. So I think before you get started with any of this, a lot of people are probably wondering, how do you get leadership on board? So yeah. what did you do? How did you work with Olivier and Gil and Clay and others? You know, cause we have a luxury that many marketers don't have. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And you know, when I started here part-time, it was funny, Gil wanted me to leverage my personal brand at that point and go all in on metadata. I'm like, Gil, but I work at Workfront. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm like helping you out here, and I'm, but my full-time job is at Workfront, so I can't like go all in on organic social. Like, I'm part of, of metadata, y'all. You know, like everybody go by. So, but, he, but I knew from the beginning, because he was pushing me on it, and he wasn't really in social at that time at all, really. Just like dabbling in it. He had a big following because i think they did a lot of campaigns for him before i joined just to boost his following so he could like kind of do what we're doing now but it didn't you know he had so many other things going on but he from the beginning he was already bought in that organic social and leveraging that for what we're trying to do is going to be a big important part of our growth and so it was already like the good news is i didn't have to do much i didn't have to do any selling really he actually he wanted it even though he wasn't doing it he knew what he wanted so it was really nice it was a luxury for me too just like you said it was a luxury for you walking in it was already kind of like running it was a luxury for me too because i knew coming into the role full-time that was i wanted that to be one of the main strategies because of course like we've been on linkedin for a while we see how it works we see that like oh this is great you know what i mean like i love this and Companies I would have maybe never known of before. Now I do because of their content and their amazing like approach on social. So yeah, so that wasn't hard. I think Olivier was, um, you know, and some of the people are more, some of the employees are definitely more forward than they, you know, than others. And Olivier was one that, you know, we had to chip away at a little bit, you know what I mean? Um, but he's definitely come around now. And uh, I think then once everybody sees just how well it works and from Mark and I's perspective, it comes through the form of literally the sales reps telling us or sending us chorus or gong calls of like everybody I talk to basically says, I love the content Mark and Jason are putting on LinkedIn. You know what I mean? It's not like I love the content they're sending us in email. I mean, we do that too, but I see Mark and Jason on LinkedIn all the time and I love what they're putting out there. And so we kind of knew it worked. Well, we do now, but I think as we were starting to like truly double down on organic social and you know participating in communities like DGMG, you don't really know in the moment that it's working. So you kind of have to just keep doing it, keep showing up consistently, play the long game, be helpful, and then you start to see those returns and then compound over time. I think yep. I've been asked before, you know, how do I get started at my own company doing this? Because I. I don't have that luxury right now. And I think oftentimes like what I would do was I would share other companies that I aspire to kind of uh, be marketing wise or even just at the company level and share examples of it with screenshots with the CEO. I did it at my last company. I've done it at companies before. Like I think we do it even here sometimes too, just to show leadership what good looks like. And then as soon as they start to see that, it's like, a, well, of course I want that. Like, why wouldn't I want that? So 
then yeah. then you start to see those results uh, once you show up consistently. And you know, just like other hard KPIs, we have leading indicators for it too. You know what I mean? Like just the feedback we get on social. You know what I mean? If we put something out there and we get a lot of comments on it or we get a lot of engagement on it, then it's like, oh, okay, that's a leading indicator that, oh, okay, this actually might be getting people's attention and people might be reading this stuff. And that kind of leads to the long game. So, you know, kind of like revenue, you've got leading indicators. You don't start a marketing campaign and all of a sudden day two, you've got revenue, you know, you've got leading indicators you look at. And so we look at those too. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think the other big thing is, you know, organic social is a big component of it, but you know, looking at communities too. So starting to see what people are talking about in DGMG or Pavilion or one of the other big communities and seeing questions that people are asking, uh, seeing comments that people are leaving, jumping into those conversations and trying to be helpful without pushing metadata. Like perfect example, there was a comment that I responded to, I think it was like a month or so ago, it just came in as a closed one deal. Uh, yesterday, ironically <laughs> enough, and it yep. said inbound, it said it was direct, and it 100% wasn't because I responded to a comment in there. I scheduled a demo with him the next day, and you know, nice. 30, 40 days later, it's not only a deal, but it's a closed one deal. So, like, it works. Uh, I think we'll get into how we're trying to measure some of it. We're not trying to measure everything about it because you can't, and we're okay with it. But I think there still are some creative things that people have been trying lately with, you know, hey, how did you hear about us and open attribution? We haven't gotten to that yet, but I think we want to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's interesting for us, too, is this goes past acquisition for us. So, like, yeah, it works well for acquisition. We're getting our messaging out there free to the people that should be seeing it. And, okay, great. They become a customer. But then what happens is... Now they're a customer. They still see Mark and I as marketing experts, you know what I mean, in our realm. Because of the stuff that they saw through the acquisition process, and now they're a customer, they still see it. So the other thing that we do is if a customer is stuck with like their strategy or really anything related to marketing, Mark and I actually jump on the phone with them. So we actually just did a we – both, we both signed up for three kind of one-hour strategy sessions each with different customers for December and January – they got filled up like pretty much immediately with our customers and that goes a long way too. Cause now they saw you as a record, you know, as a trust that you built trust with them during the acquisition process, they onboarded. Now they're actually coming back to you for more help. So now it's not just about the platform. And so the experience that they're getting with working with us now and, you know, and the CSM that they have and like helping them through all of that, all of that really leads to it. So it doesn't stop when you got that acquisition, right? No, not at all. And I think in a lot of ways it's, it's customer marketing too at that point, uh, which I know we have another episode that we're doing on that soon too. So all this stuff's blended together. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think the other thing that I wanted to touch on and we're going to give away a little bit here, but not going to give away too much because uh, there's still a lot of work that you need to do in order to make this happen is just our approach to how we nurture people. So Jason, do you want to give a quick little rundown of how we approach the new way of, of nurturing people? Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, we we basically our nurture strategy is organic LinkedIn. And you know, we've done a couple things with this, but one of the main programs that we're really proud of having is this program that we've built 
that connects us to other like marketers in similar roles as us in similar companies that would have benefit from using metadata. And we're marketers, they're marketers, easy like LinkedIn connection. And then we focus on distributing our content. And this is content that is not like, this is why metadata is good. This is metadata this, metadata that. This is like six ABM and demand gen campaign ideas you can steal. How to build a demand model that your CFO will respect. You know, it's basically content about how to be a better B2B marketer. And so they start to see all that stuff and they have no opportunity with us. We're just connecting with them. It's not like they came in demo requests or anything. We're just saying this is our target list of people that we think should be buying our platform and would get benefit from it. And let's connect with them on social. And then let's just kind of like have them see the content that we put out there. If they like the content, if they're getting help from it, then they will probably come and check us out, the website. Well, they're putting out helpful content. Maybe their platform is helpful. It's smart content. Maybe the platform is smart. And so that's what we're hoping that they make that, that small leap. That's not a big leap, you know? And so that's kind of, that's one of our bigger and longer strategies that have been uh, worked really I mean, that's well how you that's, that's how you create demand. It's people yeah. who are not in market for something. You're exactly. Building a relationship, you're manufacturing word of mouth because of all this work that you're putting into it so that when they are ready to buy, they're coming to you immediately mm -hmm. and they're probably ready to buy you because of everything that they've consumed and interacted with for the you know last six to nine months. Yeah, and you've built a, a relationship with them through that content. And it is a little easier for us because we're marketers selling to marketers, right? So like if they're getting helpful content from a marketer and then they either come and talk to us or they're being sold to us or we join a demo request call or something like that. I mean, there's a little bit maybe stronger connection there because we can talk about how we use metadata. You know, they can get it. But it still can be replicated, you know, even if you're not selling to yourself, you know, it can absolutely be replicated um, and you can provide help, you know, from a, as a marketing team to your potential buyers. You know, you don't have to be a marketer selling to marketers. Yeah. Like as long as you're providing helpful things without asking for anything in return right away, you can do this in any industry. You don't have to be marketing to marketers. Yeah, definitely. Should we jump into some questions? Let's do it. Cool. All right. Uh, let's see, you know, there's one about measurement and we didn't really touch on measurement. Uh, so this is a good one. Uh, is there any way to actually measure this stuff? <laughs> Where do I get started? So <laughs> I think <laughs> the honest answer is not really. I think you can find the right balance between showing qualitative things and then trying to measure you know, some attribution, the, the A word that I think we all hate here, uh, <laughs> on an open text question at the end, like some companies are, uh, are starting to do. But I think for us, what we look at is the, let's start with organic social. We're looking at the comments that people are leaving, who's leaving those comments, the companies that they're coming from, are they finding it helpful? I think we're looking at the messages that you or I or Justin get on, you know, a weekly and monthly basis. We take screenshots of those. We share it internally with the rest of our sales team and our customer success team and, and use those as real leading indicators. And I think it's tough because you're relying on screenshots at the end of the day and kind of a gut feeling. But I think as long as you start to see an uptick in those and over time, you're seeing the right people with the right titles, that's all the, the, the measurement that I need to know that, Hey, you're on the right track. You just got to keep doing it consistently. Yeah. And you know, for me, 
a lot of it is the the feedback we get from sales because like obviously if this stuff wasn't helping sales in some way then like would we keep doing it and so when i hear from them when they're like that the the biggest one for me is it's so easy to outbound and so to me because they're like people know who we are you know yep. and it's like so the, that kind of feedback when like a year and a half ago that was definitely not the case and just when they come to us and like the sales reps are sending us those things like the chorus calls and things where people are recommending or not recommending sorry but talking about what they've seen from us or and that just helps the sales conversation because now the sales rep if they hear that they know okay this person already kind of trusts us a little bit you know what i mean they already know us a little bit because of that stuff and so it's an easier conversation and so that's kind of that's one of the things i look at and then like you mentioned um today we're we're asking, once you become a customer, we're asking where you first heard of us, but there's lots of problems wrapped up in that. A, it could be three months since they are four or five months since they heard from us, they might not remember. So Mark and I are trying to figure out like, what's the best way we can get that further upstream, but again, of course, without creating an obstacle to any kind of conversions, but. Yeah, I think uh, two things that I would add. One, yes, our sales team butters us up sometimes, but they also tear us back down uh, when we deserve it. So it's not just all sun and rainbows here. And then I think the second thing is, f for me, the craziest and probably coolest part in all of this is when you hear mentions on call recordings from people who I've never even heard of before. And when I look yeah. at some of the stuff that I'm seeing on my own LinkedIn post, I have a rough idea of, you know, oh, that name looks familiar. Or I see that person, you know, commenting all the time or, you know, doing whatever, or I've seen that person in DGMG before. But when people mention, you know, you or me and our marketing on a call recording and I've never heard of them, it's like, okay, this stuff works and you can't measure it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. Let's go to another question. What are the best ways to increase the positive dark social going on in your category or, oh wait, what are the best ways to increase? Oh yeah, positive dark social going on in your category or for your brand. So I guess we're talking about like, there could be, I guess, dark social going on for a category too, um, but for your brand. So what, what, what are the best ways to increase those? Yeah, I mean, this might be a stretch, but I think look at our event in October, Demand. Mm -hmm. That was an event for the community, for the category that we're trying to create. We were not you know, pushing metadata or pitch slapping anyone by any means. And what we saw coming out of it, both on LinkedIn comments, on comments in communities, people were writing their own blog posts about what they learned. Like you can create that uh, by way of, you know, putting on a legit event with legit content that isn't pushing your company, you know, first and foremost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I'm gonna go back to what everyone doesn't want to hear, which is this all really starts with making sure everybody has the best experience possible with your brand. You know what I mean? So like all the way from net new acquisition, the marketing you're doing there, onboarding, coming customer, even offboarding, like they choose to churn. Honestly, you can still get good, dark social recommendations from churned customers. I mean, absolutely. You should... You, that should be we've had some come back recently <laughs> yeah that was, yeah yeah um sometimes there's extenuating circumstances of like why they have to churn or something and they still had a positive experience you know or but you just want to really like if your intentions this is i honestly probably what it comes back to like the simple simplest way to think about it is like if your company's leadership 
intentions are really right for the customer, then it kind of every and if everything falls from that, then that is the best way to generate positive dark social. I mean, I really like. Yeah, I mean, in some of the groups that I respond to questions or comments on, the answer that I give is a completely honest, straight shooting answer that if it leads them to metadata, great. And if it doesn't lead them to metadata, I am totally fine with that. So I answer it and I'm not talking about metadata at all. And I think when people can see uh, the honesty and the transparency behind whatever you're sharing, like you're playing the long game and you get people to know, like, and trust you. I mean, imagine the trust you can build by just being brutally honest about what you can do. You know, it's like one of the, one of the graphics that we have that shows that like we're 82% automated. You know what I mean? Like we're not trying to say we're 100% automated because like, is anything really 100% automated? So even with those like brutally honest, like, no, we don't, we just don't do that. You know what I mean? Not trying to nuance your way into it. Like, oh, you know, you can do this and like we can configure it this way and do this. Like, nope, we just don't do it. That wasn't our, you know, that's not our primary use case. You can get just as much like that's just as important to somebody more important, actually, than hearing the like, yes, but or yes, we can nuance it or, you know, and so just really being honest either way. You know what I mean? Honest in the positive way, honest in where you think it might look negative for your brand. But it's really just showing that honesty and that when you're honest like that, the reception is, OK, you actually care about my success, not just getting me in as a customer. I mean, that even comes up in the sales process with us, too, because I know many of our AEs, they're brutally honest and they will be the first to say, you know, one of our competitors has great functionality in this area or, you know, they have great intent data or whatever it is. And I think yep. so many prospects are used to or almost expecting us to badmouth other companies. And that's not our MO here. And I think we like being known as that company uh, who doesn't do that. And I, again, like, I think that goes a long way too in the experience that people are having with your brand. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think we've got another episode uh, in the books. That was good. We'll have to do another one soon. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Remember, uh, subscribe if you like it. Build up our subscription base. Uh, we'll be here every week. And thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Demand Gen U. If you want to hear more, make sure to subscribe to get future episodes. You can also submit a specific topic you want us to talk about by DMing us on LinkedIn. If you like the show or want to share feedback, please leave us a review. It'll help us keep improving and get the word out to other marketers just like you. This podcast is brought to you by Metadata, the first demand generation platform that launches paid campaigns that self-optimize to revenue. If you're looking for a tool that makes it easier for you to build audiences, launch paid campaigns, and experiment at scale, you'll love Metadata. B2B marketers at Zoom, Okta, and ThoughtSpot use metadata to automate the time-consuming parts of running paid campaigns so they can focus on the things that matter.